Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. So many revenge narratives for Bears at Eagles. Jordan Howard, Alshon Jeffrey, Trey Burton, Mike Rowe, even the former Bears wide receivers coach, and of course the double doink. I do have a play on the first half. You can find that in my column posted on the main page of 670thescore.com, 670thescore.com. I will share my player prop for this contest, which will be available some point tomorrow. Philly coming off a 218 rushing yards game at Buffalo. Bills team very similar to the Bears. The Eagles with an excellent offensive line. Bears give up way too much on the ground between the tackles. Expect Doug Peterson to give Howard multiple cracks at the end zone. So I have Jordan Howard to score an anytime touchdown. Now to our guest. We welcome in our friend, our Canadian friend, and just friend in general. His name, Adam Chernoff. Follow him on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff. He hosts the Simple Handicap Podcast. Highly recommend it. 10 to 15 minutes every single morning on the latest with the NFL line movement. Also does NFL work for Pinnacle Sports and Team Matchbook. Adam, you uh, staying out of the snow up in Canada? Doing my best. We got it awfully early this year, but the uh, the snow has gone, but the wind and the cold has stuck around. So it's uh, it's a good time of the year to be stuck inside watching football for much of the week. So I'm yeah. not complaining too much. Exactly. At least we have that. Uh, before we go back and forth with our picks for this weekend in the NFL, I wanted to pick your brain on something that I know uh, you've been kicking around on social media. Not all of our listeners are on social media or even Twitter and it's reverse line movement, and I know you have some strong opinions on this. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, let's kick this off with this. Let's start here because I didn't even reach out to you about this because there are so many different people doing media hits now, and sometimes we hear from those that are working at books, some of the largest books in Las Vegas, and I even hear them throw out these terms like reverse line movement. So this is why this this point spread is moving this way. What are your overall thoughts on it? Well, you're walking a pretty fine line going for or against it within your audience. So we'll try to keep this sort of as informative as possible. Um, 
at, at its simplest form, what it refers to is there's a couple main websites out online right now that are pushing out betting content. I think everyone's pushing out betting content, but there's a couple sort of main drivers within the industry. And what they like to push out are what's called public betting consensus numbers. And so these will be based off of a wide variety of things. Typically, um, what it implies is the percentage of tickets and money on specific games from specific sports books, but that's not usually the case. So uh, it could say if there's 100 people betting on the Bears and Eagles this weekend and the point spread is four, if 60 out of the 40 have bet on the Bears, the consensus number for that would be Chicago 60%, Philadelphia 40%. And what it's supposed to imply is if there's a higher percentage for one team, that's the direction for which the line should be moving. Because if money's coming in on one team, then the bookmakers are going to adjust to account for that money and their prices. When we're talking about reverse line movement, this is a case where people like to look for that similar percentage. So in the same example, the Chicago Bears 60%, the Eagles 40%. If the point spread is moving in the direction of the Eagles, which doesn't quite make sense based on how the percentages are broken down, then people will call that reverse line movement. And they think that the bookmakers are telling them something or the sharp bettors are telling them something based on how that game is moving in the opposite direction it should. Unfortunately, because the driver behind all of this is the public consensus percentages, yeah. which are often very misleading in how they're presented, that tends to confuse a lot of bettors and sort of send the wrong message a lot of the time. Okay. So a lot of the times we can pretty much guess which teams are, are going to have those high percentages, like 80% plus. I think anybody even remotely watching the NFL could have told you, oh, the Packers are only favored by three and a half against the Chargers. Well, of course the Packers are going to be one of those teams. Or you look at the Browns, they're a very public team, even though they've had a lot of losses piling up. They're going against a quarterback that nobody knows much about. So they're going to be a very public side. Uh, but you're right, we don't know about the money that's actually wagered. Now, when we hear those uh, that work behind the scenes at certain books that talk about this reverse line movement, what they're saying to you is, well, even though the public is on one side, the line is moving in the other direction because the betters that we have so far are respected betters. We're going to move against their bets, right? Yeah, and I, there's a lot of really important things that go unnoticed or un, unmentioned when we're talking about these percentages. So. Just a couple of them quickly. I think the main driver behind a lot of this is that you don't know necessarily the money that bookmakers are accounting for. If you're a bookmaker, you're making decisions based off money, not necessarily how many people bet on one side or the other, which is referred to as ticket count. The right. second thing is, especially in the NFL, if you don't know the money, you need to know the handle as well, which refers to how much money is wagered in total. On each of the games, my experience bookmaking, there would be games that could have 5, 10, 15 times the amount of money wagered on the game than other games. So like New England, Baltimore, for example, this Sunday is going to have significantly more money wagered on it than the Washington Redskins Buffalo Bills at 1 p.m. So even if you happen to find the rare source that presents reliable numbers, 
you're going to, if you don't know the handle, those percentages can be extremely misleading. And then really the third and final thing that you have to take in account is no matter who you hear speaking about this, whether it be a bookmaker, one of these media networks, anybody else, mm-hmm. if the price has already moved, so for example, if you're looking at New England, Baltimore, that price has gone from six and a half to three, there's going to be percentages that will make you think that this is potentially reverse line movement. But if you're taking three now because it appears reverse line movement, you're putting yourself in the most disadvantageous spot to make money betting the NFL because you're taking the worst price possible. And where that becomes problematic is in order for this line movement, reverse line movement to occur, the price has to have already moved. So if you're buying into this, and sort of following it, you're consistently putting yourself in the most disadvantageous spot to make money betting the NFL. So it's all about getting in ahead of the move, which none of this helps you do. Yes, very key point there, Adam. I I do want to hammer that one home because you may hear this week, oh, so much sharp money on Baltimore, so much sharp money on Baltimore, and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that's a cool tidbit to talk about. But does it really help the better when the line is three everywhere? Because a lot of those sharper bettors that you may be hearing about, they're not betting Baltimore plus three. They were betting Baltimore plus three and a half, and at three, they're walking away, right? Exactly. And they were even betting it at four and a half and even six and a half in some places when it's open. Now at minus three, we could very likely see the same people go back the other way or different sharp bettors who were disinterested as the price was coming down from six and a half to three, now making their first bets on minus three. So it doesn't always have to be the case where one side is sharp and one side is square for every single game on the board. There's very often cases where there's sharp money on both sides, side and total, just at different numbers. So the numbers and the point spread and the total make a very big difference and often lead to it being quite balanced. In other words, it's usually advantageous to get your bet in earlier in the week instead of doing it in the final hour before the games kick off on Sunday afternoon. Adam, before we get into our favorite picks, and and maybe you have a side or total that you like on this one, uh, what are your thoughts on Bears-Eagles? This thing opened, uh, I guess it was 3-120. That did not last last Sunday. It's been sitting around 4.5 and 5 all week. The total has dropped it opened at 45. It, man, it keeps on dropping. Now it's below 42. It's at 41 and a half. My goodness. There were such high expectations for this Bears going back about eight weeks now, and they have absolutely fell off a cliff. I went back and I rewatched that Chargers game. It was not one that I had my focus on on Sunday. Oh, no. Adam, <laughs> Adam, I had to do that for <laughs> I had to do that for work. I wanted to vomit all over the place. And for the third week in a row, I almost did that. But then, so not not only was the game bad enough, but then you listen to the press conference after, which is where a lot of my concerns are really rising with this team. And Matt Nagy, I don't know which reporter specifically he got into it, but he said running the ball did not cross our mind late in the game. And mm-hmm. then someone asked him, well, what about passing? He says, well, passing the ball didn't cross my mind either. And he got, like, it's almost like you can just feel this crumbling week by week. But what really a lot of the focus tends to be on the offense but what's really interesting to me is the defensive side of the football which isn't really getting as much of an attention and how much that has fell off as well we're starting to see the bears now 21st in passing success rate defense but with a big weakness is now emerging stopping the run 
with the huge loss of Akeem Hicks on that defensive line, a fellow Saskatchewan University of Saskatchewan product. Um, <laughs> they were ninth with him in the lineup since his absence. They've dropped all the way to 23rd, and that's getting significantly worse. And if we look at the Bears' schedule, these numbers have come against the 12th most difficult schedule of opposing offenses. But that jumps all the way to the third most difficult the rest of the way this season. So despite all the issues that are brewing on the offense and their inability to move the football, third worst explosive pass team and worst explosive run team in the NFL on the offensive side of the football, these numbers have come against the easier part of their schedule, and it gets a lot more difficult. So while this continues to crumble, we might see that accelerated just a little bit by their upcoming schedule. And in this specific matchup, uh, you mentioned the Bears' weakness up the middle, stopping the run, even though the Chargers didn't attack them in that manner this past week. Uh, it happened in their, their most recent losses against the Saints and Raiders. It could happen again. The Eagles ran the ball all over the Bills, typically a very tough defense, and uh, Jordan Howard between the tackles should get a lot of touches. And you beat the Eagles through the air, and that's one of the Bears' weaknesses on offense. Yeah, you nailed that for sure. You look at the Eagles' offensive line uh, ranked in the top half of the NFL, but where they're really elite, those short-distance situations, the number one power-rushing team, which refers to any run on two yards or less to go for the first down. So when they need those couple of yards, they're fantastic at getting it. Howard gets the most carries in a Doug Peterson coach team um, for his coaching career last week. So it looks like Eagles finding a little bit of balance. Miles Sanders providing a very nice, secondary option but where this gets interesting people will talk about Deshaun Jackson coming back and what he means to the pass game but the space that he opens up for the run game really goes unnoticed so going against this Bears defensive line which has got progressively worse week by week since the loss of Hicks I think certainly an opportunity for the Bears to maybe regret uh, getting rid of Howard the way that they did Uh, he could potentially have a really big game but I think balance wise for the Eagles a uh, lot of opportunity for them on offense. And as you said, the Bears are going to have to find a way to throw the ball deep and attack this Eagles secondary because this is a top five defensive line in about every single category and a top ten front seven stopping the rush. So a very difficult matchup for the Bears coming up this weekend. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score this week, our guest Adam Chernoff. Our friend, the host of the Simple Handicap Podcast. Let's go back and forth a little bit, Adam, on some of these games. I'll start things off uh, early tomorrow morning. This thing kicks off 8.30 our time. An AFC South matchup between Houston and Jacksonville. This line has dipped a little bit throughout the week. Uh, Texans now one-point favorites in this one. Second matchup of the season. May remember Houston won earlier in the year by a score of 13 to 12. Probably Deshaun Watson's worst performance of the year came against this Jags defense. J.J. Watt out for the season uh, with Houston. Now Bears fans are very familiar with the talking points about the travel and whether or not it's an issue. It seems like it has been for teams that ended up leaving late. Seven straight year, the Jaguars are playing at Wembley Stadium. Doug Marone says he's got some some secrets. They've been through this before. They have a routine that they go through. Uh, but the Jaguars' defense starting to look like they did a couple of years ago uh, in recent weeks against the Jets last week, three picks and eight sacks, only 17 points allowed to the Bengals, 13 to the Saints a few weeks back. Gardner Minshew was starting to regress a little bit but had a really nice bounce-back performance. And the thing with Minshew is he does not turn the football over 
I like the Jaguars getting a point or two, but if you want to go money line, I'm fine with that because I think they're going to win this one over the Texans. Yeah, I would be in full agreement with you there. If you want to go money line, that's what I have in my account. It's also a very attractive teaser leg. Can sort of second a lot of the things you said there in terms of the travel. Jags, obviously, the more experienced team uh, making these trips to, trip to London with routine every single season, going back seven years now. This is the first trip for Houston over. So they've really been sort of following a lot of the common thoughts about how to handle this trip rather than sort of doing anything unique themselves. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. The big story for me in terms of this travel for Houston is the people who did not get on the plane. Jonathan Joseph, Tayshawn Gibson, Bradley Roby, Lonnie Johnson, uh, three of the four starting defensive backs for the Texans didn't even travel. So even though all four of those guys found the injury report, there's not even a chance that three of those guys are going to go. So an enormous cluster injury in the defensive backfield for the Houston Texans. And then you look at J.J. Watt, as you mentioned, led the league in pressures generated on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, he was the leader of that front seven. So that's now an enormous hole that we really saw the Raiders target uh, as soon as he went out later in that game a week ago. If there's something that Gardner Minshew does in addition to not turning the ball over frequently, it's actually throw the ball downfield. Uh, ranks in the top five for passer rating on throws 15 yards or more down the field. So that really opens up the opportunity for him to move the football when you consider how many injuries the Texans have on defense. If we want to put some numbers to it, Texans rank 18th in passing success rate, but that's come against one of the top 10 easiest schedules of opposing passers. So now with all of those injuries, looks a lot worse. Derek Carr and the Raiders, not really a deep-throwing team, having a lot of success passing, but 9.5 yards per pass against this Texan secondary, which was actually slightly healthier a week ago. So plenty of opportunity for the Jags to move the football. And as you mentioned, the price on this one, uh, Houston a short favorite. But if we're going to look at any sort of the key comparison tables, whether you want to go net yards per play, DVOA, uh, any of the major sort of tables that get put out, these two teams are equal or Mm -hmm. the Jags are rated better in a lot of those categories. So a spot that sets up pretty well for Jacksonville early on. I think we also see quite a few points scored in this one, too. So you can look to the Jags and the over, I think, on this one to begin the Sunday Week 9 card. All right, that total sitting around 46, 46 and a half for tomorrow morning. Uh, love to hear that we are on the same page with this one, Adam. Uh, give me one of your top plays for this week. Uh, the numbers moved a little bit here, but my sort of favorite look of the week, uh, I've got a lot of action on the card, but Tampa Bay really stands out to me going on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Regardless of the level of better you might be listening to the show, whether you're from professional or just someone having some fun on Sundays, a quick thing that you can do after all the games complete Sunday evening, you're sitting in bed or on your way to work Monday morning, whatever app you use, go through and look at the box scores. You'll learn a lot from what gets shown in the box score as a lot of people really settle to just look at the results of the scores and how it's finished up within the bet. If we want to look at Tampa Bay, Tennessee a week ago, that was a game that Tampa Bay thoroughly dominated. From start to finish, Uh, the Tennessee Titans were only able to score two touchdown drives against them in the first half that were for a combined 16 yards. So a lot of good fortune, not only from the refs, but from what occurred on the field, went the way of the Titans. And then the opposite could be said 
for the Seattle Seahawks. They give up 450 yards to Matt Schaub, who hasn't started the game in a couple of years now, thoroughly outgained in yards per play, yards per pass as well. But they come out with what looked like a very comfortable victory. We put these two teams together, and that presents a very interesting spot where we saw this price as high as 6.5 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And really the focus is on the Seattle Seahawks secondary, 20 seconds in defensive pass success rate, and that's come against the sixth easiest schedule of opposing passers. I always like to sort of validate the numbers I'm looking at with the schedule that they have come against. We're looking at teams that rank higher than 20th in overall passing efficiency offense. The Seahawks have faced three of them and allowed those teams to score 33, 29, and 30 points. Tampa Bay ranks 18th. And it's a pretty significant step up for the Seattle Seahawks secondary, considering how much they like to push the ball downfield. Some injuries they're dealing with as well. And this Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven, number one by far at stopping the run. And I think we all know Seattle by now. They run the football 52% of the time, the third highest rate in the NFL. As good as Russell Wilson is when he's consistently put in third and long without that run game supporting him. He's going to make some great plays, but converting third and eight, third and nine, third and ten for the duration of the game, all it takes when you're looking at six and a half points in your back pocket is a couple of those plays to go the wrong way. Um, My number was six and a half. If you're looking at a five or five and a half this morning, Grab that quickly because I think this ultimately closes at four, four and a half tomorrow kickoff. Yeah, I think there are already some fours out there, Adam. And uh, not piggybacking here, but I am on the same page. This is my second favorite play of the week. Seattle, as you mentioned, their defense, 30th in opponents' yards per play. Uh, they have at home this year, they have two one point victories over the Rams and Bengals. They lost to Baltimore in New Orleans. Uh, the bottom line is I think the Bucks can score enough to at least hang in. Even when Jameis Winston's been turning the football over so much over the last couple of weeks, nine turnovers last two games, they're still scoring 23 and 26 points, and their offense did explode for 31 and 55 earlier on in the year. So definitely jump on the Bucks sooner rather than later. Adam, we have about a minute left. Any other games or totals that you really like? Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of favorable movement. I think you can look at the Jets-Dolphins over at 42 or better. That's a bit of an ugly one. Yeah, uh, There was a much more favorable number available, but it looks like both of these teams going to be without a combined eight defensive backs to start the game on Sunday. The Jets were a very popular over team by some influential betters early in the season. Really, all of that's starting to accumulate right now. And then uh, I'd also look to the Carolina Panthers. That's the number on the board that I have at three and a half still widely available this morning for you to seek out and put into your account. Uh, As we just talked about the Titans, a very flattering box score to say the least (laughs) against the Carolina and then the Carolina Panthers, the complete opposite. So nice little situation here setting up with the Panthers at three and a half. Yeah, definitely. Adam Chernoff is his name and he hosts the simple handicap podcast. I suggest you download that and make sure that you are subscribed. Adam, as always, thank you so much for coming on early odds. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the games this weekend. And you can catch me this week on You Better You Bet. That is located on the Radio.com app Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 5 to 9 p.m. There we always have a lot of fun talking sports betting. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel is next right here on The Score to discuss some World Series. Loved that fall classic. Nats to win the NL. Nats to win the World Series. That helped just a little bit. No matter what you're betting, with so much going on, 
Best of luck with your bets this weekend. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 